The recent Pope, Jean Paul said, now's the time. This is the moment. Literally thousands of people in our diocese have experienced that love through the power of the Eucharist at those wonderful events. And to see that happening monthly, 40, 50 or more people going to confession monthly is really amazing. People just keep kept coming and coming and, and there was lines out the door, down the hall, down the church. What does it look like? People falling in love with Jesus, coming to know how deeply they're loved by Jesus. But not just in a moment, but, but to surrender their entire lives. You surrender your life. You make it your aim to please the Lord. When I hear Greg Schleter and Peter Herbeck talk, I want to buckle my chin strap and take the field. That's what's happening here. People are taking risks. It's time to move. More than a moment, this is a movement. You're tuned into Ignite Radio Live, and we begin right now. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another frigid, frigid outside, <laughs> but there's a fire in the house yeah. episode of Ignite Radio Live. Over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio, you're with Greg and Stephanie Schleter and two very special guests that we will introduce in a moment. Absolutely. Very excited to be with you folks for a number of reasons, not the least of which is that we are just around the corner from our five-year anniversary as Mass Impact on February 1st is when we began five years ago. And who would have thought, Stephanie, five years ago, given the circumstances that us saying yes in faith, blessed by the faith of so many others, priests and leaders saying, you know, we want to be an occasion of helping marriages and families live it. It's really that simple, to help marriages and families take the grace overflowing and to live it in our marriages and homes where it matters most. That's what we're really about. Live it. Image the Trinity. We image the Trinity. That's our identity. And it's our mission to make God who is love known. So we're coming up on that five years, February 1st. We're grateful for you sending in that financial support. I didn't mean to say that, but sure, we'll take it. <laughs> um, no, so blessed, though, that uh, we've been able to be so formed and encourage our children, our family, many, many families saying yes. And just to keep it real, it's in the midst of awkwardness that marriages and families say yes to this. It's faced with doubts and fears coming from great retreats and rallies to come home and say, man, how do we do this in our homes? How do we make our homes that kind of place? So tonight, folks, just we ask you to open up your hearts and minds to uh, in this new year to make your home a place of encounter. And we've kind of redesigned everything to make it clear and simple. How about that? Simple. I love it's still massimpact.us, but we're, we've redirected through I love my family.us. It's a one page description. We call it Mission One. I love my family.us. You can see really clearly our hope for uniting with others in making our marriages and homes a place of deeper encounter with Jesus Christ overflowing to the world to claim this place for his kingdom. And we also want to be real in the fact that if we have the audacity to live Christ, to make him known in our marriages and families, we are going to come under attack. And have we not seen that happen over the last days, weeks, months, and years, throughout all of history, certainly, but in this day and age, we're seeing it to a degree, perhaps, that we have never seen it. Uh, particularly, just want to say a word about it with what happened in the recent New York law that, let's just call it what it is, condemns unborn children to death at the will of the mother for any reason up through nine months of pregnancy. 
And so I've been grieving, truthfully, I'm just going to be emotionally honest with you, uh, I've been grieving heavily. And the reality is it's existed. This has been the law of the land under Roe v. Wade, which struck down all the state legislatures and essentially said, for any reason, you can have an abortion up to nine months of pregnancy. And so it seems like a lot of uh, states are now uh, positioning themselves for anticipation that Roe v. Wade will be overturned. Um, But the fact that Catholics, professing Catholics, Andrew Cuomo, we pray for him in his heart and his mind, and so we lift them up, all the politicians who voted for this, um, that they, they, they have eyes to see what God sees uh, and, and what science recognizes and validates in the womb. But just a word about that. My wife is going to say a few words just as we've been sort of as a family praying into this uh, and certainly grieving and asking the question, how can we respond? Gosh, there's so much that can be said, so much that has been said over our kitchen table and in our family room and in our prayer time. Um, We watched as a family the movie Gosnell a couple nights ago. And if you haven't seen it, I really um, encourage you to. It's family friendly for probably teens and up. 13 and up. Um, It's not graphic at all, but obviously the, the topic is very heavy. But we need to be informed. We need factual story. Right, exactly. Um, so that along with, you know, the Covington Catholic thing and the mess that that was in the press and, you know, some bishops speaking out very prematurely and then pulling back and just, again, just a mess and how um, the enemy used that both in the church internally and in the culture, but certainly and most prominently the pass, the passing of the bill in New York um, which, gosh, I just get choked up thinking about. But I, uh, one of our dear deacons at our church um, sent out an article this morning that is on Crisis Magazine's um, website. So it's written by Monica Miller, who's an incredible, I think she works, or director of Citizens for mm-hmm. Life or something like that, but a, an awesome pro-life organization. And I encourage you all to read it. I was going to kind of skim through some different points, but I don't want to take more time away from our guests and also... It'll just get me really fired up, <laughs> but it's called Bishops Wring Their Hands at the Whirlwind of Hell, and it certainly um, lays out just a, a real informative piece on what canon law does say, you know, about excommunication and what it doesn't say, um, but really laments the lack of response and outrage. You know, it's one thing on an archdiocesan website to say you're sad or you m- lament the fact that or you know, all these soft words, which we all feel, but church leaders, we need you to lead us mm-hmm. and express the outrage, express how horrific and horrendous it is. Whether or not excommunication is an option, we still need to hear this and we still need action. You know, we're coming off the the um, the scandal in the church or in the midst of it, really, but just how that, you know, blew up and transparency and speaking out. Now's another example. We've been quiet for 50 years, letting pro-abortion Catholic politicians just have their way and make a mockery of the Eucharist and make a mockery of what it means to be Catholic. We need to stand together, laity, and support and pray for our bishops and Mm -hmm. encourage them to speak out to what they should be speaking out about. So a passage that I think really defines this moment in history and my first say of the passage of Ephesians 6.12, we fight not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers in the heavenly realms. Keep that in mind. 
God destined all of us, all of humanity, for uh, encounter with him, to live out our nature and identity, sons and daughters of God and Jesus Christ. And uh, until every person on this planet comes to know him and live with him, our mission uh, is before us. And so this passage, though, that I think defines where we're at in this landscape, Luke eight seventeen, there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Nothing hidden that will not be disclosed. Nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. This is the heart of what had happened and happening with the scandal. It's the heart of what is happening in New York. And it, uh, in the coming days, we understand other states are taking it up. Folks, this is the um, oh, you know, coming to light of sin in our own souls, coming to light of our negligence in speaking truth, coming to light, um, if you will, the toxicity that we've allowed uh, in our school systems and in our teaching, we have not stepped up. And I'm going to say there are two things, and then we'll transition here, that I think, as we approach Lent very shortly here, two things that are key for us. Number one is that we pray and fast, that we repent, that we pray and fast, that we're mindful of the ways in which those seeds might be woven in our own hearts. How are we called to repent of them and to be instruments and vessels of God's grace to see everything with the heart of the Father. That's number one. I'm far from that, by the way. I'm just confessing it. I want to be more deeply attuned to the heart of the Father and speak the truth with love. That's why. Second thing is, I'm going to challenge you all to um, take the step outside the comfort zone in your own marriages and homes. I know you've probably in the last month spent 45 minutes extra at work, or in sports, or at school, and at church. When is the last time you spent 45 minutes talking and praying with your family in your home? So I'm going to call that putting a flag in the sand. It's sort of a battle uh, imagery. But we got to put the flag of Jesus Christ in the sand in our homes. And some of us, what does that even mean, Greg, right? How do we do it? Our kids are in their devices, and, and uh, we already are disconnected, and we're so busy. I'm just going to say to you, over five years, those who've done this, who ventured beyond their fears and discomforts and have done it, have experienced tremendous grace flowing from it. So I'm going to invite you to go to ilovemyfamily.us. ilovemyfamily.us. Be prepared to join us for seven weeks of committed, a week of every night that works for you or day that works for you, of talking and praying first and foremost in your homes. But if you're empty nester, there's also a group commitment. Sign up for it. Commit yourself to it. In fact, be an inspiration to us um, by the time that we're done with this program tonight that I can go look and see that somebody hearing my voice now says, I'm in this. I know it's a struggle. I know it's a challenge, but I'm going to commit my family. We're going to do this for seven weeks. We're going to gather and talk and pray as a family. We're going to try to. So in or good faith, there's a couple. I love my family.us. You will see the link to sign up for this. All right. So we are blessed to have a beloved brother and sister in Christ. And uh, what's really cool, first of all, we welcome you, John and Jessica Kennard. How are you guys doing? I'm doing fine. Good. We're doing really good. Awesome. We needed like some festive music. Yeah, I know. After that, yeah, I know. After a heavy intro. Not as good. Exactly. Um, But here's a fun story, though, and maybe it, it accentuates the kingdom coming. It accentuates the power of God in the world. Because I don't know John and Jessica from our Catholic churches or faith or interactions, um, but I would regard them, the fact that they're here tonight, I would regard them as profoundly inspirational instruments and icons of the kingdom. 
And so, whoa, Greg, you know, how'd you meet these people? I'm glad you asked. So, um, <laughs> how do we meet? These we people? get our gas most of the time at Sam's Club. And if you've ever been there, you see John, he's like nine foot six. <laughs> what are you, six foot nine? Yeah, six foot nine. Okay, I got it backwards. <laughs> a little dyslexia. John is six foot nine, an awesome man. And I don't journalist. even know how we immediately uh, got on the subject when we first met you, John of Faith, but somehow we got there pretty quick. I don't quick think it takes much, actually. For him or me. All right. Um, and, you know, that that was right away an occasion. Every time we see him, his joy, his delight, his conversation, his love of people who go there. You might and, even call him the pastor at the pump. He, oh, wow. That's great. <laughs> yeah. And Sorry. another friend we have found uh, is also kindred with our brother John here, and that is his eminence, Mr. Hertzfeld, the Shout patriarch of the, the Hertzfeld, Hertzfeld family. We so love we love you. to talk about our love of John and his beautiful wife, Jessica, whom we uh, knew John before, I think maybe even you were even dating. Yes. So, yeah. so through that, through courtship, there's always a word that we exchange. I always get a, a big sense of his heart of uh, what God is speaking to him. And it was this, maybe this past week, you know, John, we connected and we were talking about some things. And I just said, man, why don't you join us for our Tuesday night Ignite Real Live? So uh, John has been on radio before. Jessica is not. But we're delighted to have them with us. And um, we're going to begin this way, folks. You know how we always begin Revelations twelve eleven. it says, They defeated the enemy. Do we not need to defeat the enemy? Yes. By the blood of the Lamb, the Mass, and the word of their testimony. Folks, again, we say it again and again, you have a testimony in your marriage, in your family. It doesn't need to be this big dramatic thing. But pray about it tonight. Who might be somebody you need to share your testimony with. Pray for that occasion and to recognize it when it happens, where you can share God's heart in your own story. So with that said, we're going to go right to it. And ladies first, <laughs> Jessica, tell us a little bit about your background and your journey up to really kind of embracing Jesus Christ and living for him. Well, I um, I grew up in a Christian home. Um, so right from the get-go, I um, attended church. Um, we went uh, every Sunday and all of that. Um, there was a season where we um, actually did home church um, just because that's what God was asking us to do at that time. Earliest um, church. That's awesome. Exactly. <laughs> it was probably some of the best church that I've experienced because it was our family and we were just worshiping and sharing what was going mm. on in our hearts. And honestly, that that is some of the best church that I remember growing mm. up. So you miss it a little bit. Um, I do, I do. Um, we, my, my whole family is musical, um, so we kind of have like a Fox family band. My maiden name is Fox, so we called <laughs> ourselves awesome. a Fox family band. I love that. Um, and my brothers and I, my sister-in-law, um, we would all play and sing and do all of that. So that was something fun. Um, and now you have a percussionist to and add to the group, yes. but I'm getting ahead of myself. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Um, so we, we enjoyed doing worship together. That was something that connected us. Um, so yeah, so I grew up in a Christian home. Um, and then I have two brothers. I have an older brother and a younger brother. So I'm the middle child and the only girl. Um, <laughs> both of my Quite brothers. Quite a resume. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. And you were homeschooled through grade school? Yes, we were all homeschooled. Um, I stayed at home until ninth grade. And then I decided that I wanted to go to public school. Um, my mom and dad kind of gave us the option as we got older and were able to make that decision if we wanted to stay at home or go to public school. 
Um, so I decided to wait until high school. Um, my little brother went at a different time. My older brother went at a different time. Um, but honestly, I feel like that gave me a good foundation, mm-hmm. A, for who I was, and also just how I studied and everything. It just kind of helped me along, I feel like. It was a culture shock, definitely, um, when I went into public school. But it, it was good for me because I needed to get out and make some other friends out mm-hmm. there. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so I was homeschooled. Um, my mom taught us. We did, you know, devotions every morning, and that was kind of the start of our day. Um, I remember family dinners and at the end of the day, and we would go around the table and say, how was your day? How did you play? That was kind of our saying. And so we would talk about what we did that day. Um, My dad would share. Um, We all just, it was our time to connect. And that was something that was so important to us. Um, And I'm sure still bears the fruits today in many ways. Honestly, anytime we get together, when we're sitting around the table, we just talk and share. There's nothing like a kitchen table. Yeah, (laughs) yes, very much so. Um, So So faith was very much a part of your growing up years and embedded in everything. Yes. Um, I felt I, I, so growing up in a Christian home, I kind of always had, um, I I believed in God. I had that relationship with God. I felt like I had a pretty strong relationship with God for quite a while. Um, I went through some depression um, in my late teen years, Um, got pretty serious Mm -hmm. at some points, um, I wanted to end it at times, and it was very, very hard. And it was just stuff I was going through as a a late teen and, you know. Um, But through it all, I felt God saying that I'm not done with you yet. And um, so I didn't, and I'm still here today. Um, Yeah, Can I pause you a second? We have your train of thought and your beautiful story here, but I— suspect some people may be listening, um, grandparents, parents, even young people Mm -hmm. who are in a dark space right now, maybe Mm -hmm. what you were dealing with going through that. What's in your heart? What advice would you give them speaking to Jessica back in those days? Honestly, um, back in those days, I had, I had a great family. Um, Sorry if I get a little emotional. No, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's a gift. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. Um, I had a great family. Mm. Like every family, we had our stuff that we went through. Mm. And um, honestly, I think something that I realized later on when I look back at that time um, And something that I think God has put on my heart now is that young women just need, not just young women, I shouldn't say that, just young people in general, they just need that mentor, somebody to look up to and um, not necessarily a family member because Mm -hmm. some stuff you're going through you just can't share with your family because it's your family. (laughs) Um, But just to have that person, um, I, I feel that it's lacking in a lot of churches that there is that mm. mentor person that that just reaches out it says it's biblical that you know the older are supposed to help the younger mm-hmm. and, and all of that and mm-hmm. I just feel like that is lacking in a lot of areas um it's something that I outside of my home I really did not have that person to go to that I felt comfortable going to and saying 
I'm struggling <laughs> and I don't know what to do um, or this is going on in my home and I don't know what to do or mm-hmm. et cetera. Um, and so I think it is just important to have that in the church, um, to just have that person that you can go to and just be real with, mm-hmm. just have that conversation, go out for coffee, whatever it is. Um, I had a great family. My grandparents, my parents, they love me, and I never questioned that at all. Right. Um, but it was just, you're a teenager. You're going through a lot right. of things, and sometimes those things just become so overwhelming, and you just don't know what to do with those emotions. Mm-hmm. And so you feel like you're the only one. And if somebody had said you're not the only one, and there is somebody out there that maybe doesn't know exactly what's going on in your life, but is just an ear to listen to and a shoulder to lean on, that would have made a huge difference, I feel like, mm-hmm. in in what happened. But I don't regret walking through that mm. because I feel like it made me who I am, and it made me more sensitive mm. to that. Because mm. had I not walked through it, I don't know that I would be as sensitive to that, to that um that longing to have somebody to talk to mm. um that being willing to listen first before i speak because that was what i needed i needed somebody just listen to me <laughs> outside of my family somebody just listen because my family would listen if i talked but i needed that person outside of my family mm. to listen and i didn't have that so i think that that is something that looking back i wish that i had, had mm. um but i did it Folks, I wish you could um, you could see what you he- you could see what we see what you hear, and that's just beauty, right, John? It's just beauty and uh, your candor and your willingness to share and your courage. <clears throat> and just want to say before we move on, folks, if you are in that place um, and you just want somebody that you need to listen to you and love you outside your family or whatever, I'm just going to give my email, our email, Steph's and mine, um, whatever we can do with it. Um, wonderful community we have families involved with this that are so caring so loving and this does happen and he's happened more because depression is is has increased so alive perfect name alive at massimpact.us alive at massimpact.us and uh just wonderful community that is there to listen and pray for you so you're coming through these years of and in that whole process we talked earlier about coming to maybe own this faith and the existential crisis that every kid, especially at that age, yeah. is facing and going through. How did God lead you through that? Um, I guess one thing that I do remember um, was, first of all, my mom noticed that there was something wrong. She knows me very well. <laughs> um, Go, Kim. Yes, <laughs> my mom, Kim. She's a fox. She can figure that out. <laughs> yes. Um, and she actually came to me and said, you know, do we need to talk to somebody? What do we need to do? Um, I said I didn't want to talk to anybody, that I didn't want to go to counseling because I think that there is this negative viewpoint of counseling. And now that I'm older and I look back, it's not a bad thing. Counseling is good. Right. <laughs> um, it Especially is good. good counseling. It is. It is, honestly. Um, and I think if I had accepted that, I wouldn't have gone as long as I did um, through that depression. But I do remember this time I went on a youth retreat. Um, it was with one of the churches that I was involved in. And we went on a youth retreat. And I remember one of the messages. And I don't remember exactly everything. But I just remember we were supposed to get quiet. We were just supposed to sit quiet. 
And I remember sitting and just going, I don't want to be like this anymore. Mm. So I remember that point. I just went, God, take it. Mm. I don't want it anymore. Mm. And I remember being free from that. And I remember after that night, Mm. I was like, okay, I don't feel like I did. Mm. I don't feel sad anymore. Mm. I felt like this weight was lifted off of me. And it's not like that for everybody, mm. and I know that. Um, but I thank God that he lifted that heavy weight off of my shoulders because mm. it was heavy. Mm. But to feel that freedom, mm. it was it was wonderful. Praise um, God. It's awesome. I didn't think that this was going to happen, but the Holy Spirit speaking in this moment. We're going to respond in grace. Would you be comfortable right now just leading us in prayer, seeing the young women and men maybe who are in that place right now and are saying, dear Lord, just take this, take this from me. Can you lead us in prayer? Can we join you in prayer right now for those, anybody who's listening right now is in a dark place? Yes. Let's do it. Dear God, I, I thank you for this opportunity, Lord God. And, and first and foremost, I just thank you for um, just opening the airwaves to maybe reach somebody who's mm. going through this, Lord God. And, and we don't take it lightly. It is something that is very heavy and very prevalent in our nation. But God, I just pray for that person who maybe is in this moment feeling, I can't do it anymore. Mm. And I pray that you will just reach down and and touch their heart right Mm. now. Lord God, I pray that you will reach down and give and release them from whatever it Mm -hmm. is, Lord God, the depression or sadness or whatever Mm -hmm. it is, Lord God, there are so many things going on in this nation and it is heavy. It is just heavy. So I pray for your spirit Mm -hmm. to overwhelm them. I pray for your peace, your comfort, and your strength to walk them out of the situation, Lord God. And I pray that you will bring somebody along, Mm -hmm. Lord God, if that is what they need, I pray for that person to have an encounter with somebody but most importantly with you. Mm-hmm. I just pray that you will be with them. I pray for your peace and your comfort. That mm-hmm. is just that is just huge. So I just pray for your peace and comfort. Those words. Mm-hmm. I just pray for that over them. I thank you for whoever it is, Lord. I, I just speak into their life mm-hmm. that you are not alone. And God's got this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and God's not done with you yet. Mm-hmm. So, God, I just pray you will minister to their spirits today Mm -hmm. and that you will just use our words to give them some type of comfort. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you so much for that. Holy Spirit's moving here. That's awesome. Um, (laughs) Thank you, Lord. So, Jessica, um, God leading you through that movement, your mom involved and being able to see an anointing in that retreat and declaring it, really desiring declaring it, God's victory. And we just declare over any of you listening right now, God's victory over your life and his authority. Um, so coming through that and, and being edified by it, to even be here, who would have known, right? right? Back then they should be going through that and now be on the airwaves, being able to lead us in prayer for people who might be in that place. How right. awesome. I'm overwhelmed by that right now. Anyways, okay, so... Take us into the 20s. 20s. Okay, so 22, I moved out um, of my parents' home. Um, I got my own place. I lived on my own. Um, I feel like that was kind of my coming to moment. Um, I went through a lot of dark days there, too, because I don't think I had fully dealt with everything that had been going on in my life. Um, I definitely allowed some people into my life that should not have been in my life. Um, I 
remember one day waking up, and this had been a couple years, probably 24-ish, um, that I looked in the mirror and I just was like, I don't know who I am anymore. I don't know who that person is looking mm-hmm. back at me. And I remember that moment going, God help me. I need to get back to who I am, who I really am. Um, and it started me on a journey, and it, it took me many years. It was not a short journey um, of really coming back to a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just going to church on Sundays. It wasn't, you know, just here and there doing things. It was it was a relationship with God. And it took a lot of time and a lot of tears and a lot of everything. Um, but it got me to where I am today. Mm-hmm. Um, awesome. And it got me to where I met this guy beside me. Um, we were, I, I know I'd met him, but I was still in my own little world, <laughs> trying to deal with my stuff. And um, I remember probably, it was probably about a 10-month period where I kind of was just like, okay, God, it's just you and me because I'm tired of feeling like this. I'm tired of feeling like I'm searching for something and I'm not finding it. So clearly I'm not looking in the right place and I need to look to you. Um, so I remember just kind of not closing myself off, but closing myself off to where it was just me and God and just kind of going, I got to deal with all this. I got to deal with all my past hurts and everything like that so that I can get to where I need to be because I knew in my heart if I wanted to find somebody, I had to be ready. Mm. And until I dealt with everything, I was not going to be ready whatsoever. Um, So I did. I dealt with it. And it was a lot of tears and it was a lot of pain and it was a lot of a lot of stuff. But um, I remember coming on the other side of it and then it was like – this guy appeared to him all of a sudden and I was like, okay, I'm kind of interested in him. <laughs> like, I don't know. But um, yeah, so it, it was definitely a, a time of spiritual growth, I feel like, and where I really became who I am mm-hmm. now and who I am in Christ. And doesn't mean I don't have days. I definitely mm-hmm. do. But I feel like had I not gone through that and had I not dealt with all the stuff, I would not be who I am right now. Jess, thank you so much for your heart, your honesty. Just, we're so, I'm so moved um, at the transparency, and uh, it, it's a challenge. Not only your story and your candor and your boldness with that, but just people to understand when we're transparent, we open the doors to encounter God in relationship. When we are transparent, we open the door to encounter God in relationship. And maybe it's just, I just want to state this for even husbands and wives right now and families. When's the last time you really felt like you were transparent with those closest to you? Amidst the busyness and logistics, all important, but to sit down eyeball to eyeball and really ask meaningful questions that open that door. I mean, here you are sharing beautiful tears of something that had happened years ago which is awesome. Let's go back to young John. John, tell us a little bit about your background and coming to that place of really knowing Jesus and living for him. Well, um, my story isn't so diametrically like opposite my wife. We, there are some similarities. I mean, um, I like to say we're both a couple of neighborhood kids. You know, we both, mm-hmm. you know, the values and the intrinsic values that we grew up with. Um, but I grew up basically in South Toledo, um, in the inner city. Uh, my parents divorced when I was too young to remember, and my mother raised us as a single mom. So we basically lived. We lived in what you what you would consider, what I consider, you know, basic first world poverty. You know, uh, welfare, food stamps, uh, the challenges of a 
that, that you would imagine a single mom with, without a strong male in the home, you know, provider, leader, you know, what, what would go through. Um, so, you know, I remember distinctly and very vividly, you know, watching my mother struggle, pay the bills and, uh, you know, crying because she couldn't afford to make ends meet and, you know, not having a car and, uh, not being able to go places and do fun things. Uh, and just uh, when I was younger, the, the resentment that, that would build up in a young man, uh, towards my dad for, for not being there. Um, it was very real and it was very, uh, strong and it was very, um, deep set, you know, and at a very early age, um, I promised myself that the mistakes that my dad made, I wouldn't do the same thing to my future wife or family. Like I knew from a very early age that I was going to be married and, and have a family. Um, but I knew that I, I promised myself that I would never uh, allow uh, my wife to experience the same things that my mother experienced. Um, it was very difficult, uh, for me growing up as a child in the inner city, uh, not having that model of, uh, a strong male, uh, father, you know, like so many other of my constituents in the, in the, in the neighborhood. Uh, we didn't have, we, we were in a whole neighborhood of single moms, you know, and so, you know, you saw a lot of wayward kids running around, basically raising themselves and, and, and not having that model or that we, we didn't know structure. We didn't know, uh, you know, just just basic male things. So my mother was kind of at a disadvantage because she couldn't teach me how to be a man. You know, uh, she did, however, teach me a lot of other things like, you know, uh, how to be sensitive towards, you know, other people and, and, and things like that. My mother was very, um, she, just despite the circumstances that we grew up in, she was very nurturing and she was, she was very attentive. Uh, my mother, uh, it's been said that my mother was one of, and she, she's still alive and still in my life and I'm very thankful for her and we're still very close. Um, but it's been said that my mother was one of the few moms in the neighborhood that would, you know, call us in for dinner, you Aww. know, and, uh, I never forgot Aww. that, you know, and, you know, watching her, uh, struggle like that, it really, really made me appreciate her a lot more and, and, and love her and, and be gracious towards her. And I just, and like Jessica said, with her childhood experiences, though some of them were negative and painful, uh, it's those that, that we hung on to that shaped us and the, the, the people we are today. So, you know, those weaknesses, we, over time, turned into strengths. And uh, the resentments that we had, you know, over time with the grace and mercy of God, you know, and the transformation that takes place when we walk with him, that turns into uh, grace and it turns into forgiveness and it turns into... Mm -hmm. So I don't resent my father anymore, you know. Um, I've learned to, uh, as I've grown up and, and become more well-adjusted and more confident in myself. And now that I am starting to have the, the, the life that I promised myself as well as my wife that I would have, um, I no longer harbor that resentment towards him. I mean, I, I pray for him. We, we unfortunately don't have a relationship, um, but it's not based upon animosity or anything like that. So I do pray for him. Before we uh, invoke the name of your beloved grandma and ask about her role, 
Um, John, we're in a place right now with many who listening who are at odds with their dad, either completely absent in your case or maybe in a situation where they're just disconnected. And, and folks, we know that men are meant to be iconic of the Father in heaven. Um, if our, the ways in which our fathers fail, and all of our fathers fail, I'm one of them, is the degree to which our kids will um, have a struggle in understanding their heavenly father. We're that powerful. All the stats reveal this, not just Christian stats. Sociological stats reveal the, the effect of an absent father, and it is massive uh, in terms of, of, of the, um, the uh, at-risk um, life that, that many will have. So, John, I'm going to put you on the spot like I put Jess on the spot, maybe to speak to those who are struggling with resentment and bitterness, who may go through, unfortunately, if they weren't to hear you in a moment, their whole lives battling resentment and anger and not knowing it's, it's in, because of a dad, absent physically or emotionally. So speak to them. And then just maybe lead us in a prayer of, of forgiveness and a, a prayer of uh, um, transformation. Well, I mean, it, you know, you look at our culture currently, and it seems as though we're in the midst of a massive identity crisis on so many different levels. And we could, we could get into all that, but um, growing up without a father, I didn't have an identity. Like, I didn't know what my identity was. Like, I didn't know, okay, well, what am I supposed to be so... The we talked about an existential crisis, so that was you know growing up. I had quite a few of them. It's like okay, well, what am I supposed to? How do I get there? How do I be the the man that I want to be? How do I have the family that I want to have? How do I have the future wife that I want to have? What do I have to do? Um, and I know that that a lot of young people today, particularly young men, uh, who were probably in my same situation. Uh, that didn't have that model. You know, they're wondering, you know, well, what am I supposed to do? And what is my identity? And how do I become that man? And I think part of it is, even if you don't have a father, I think, first of all, realize that you have a heavenly father. And our heavenly father, he loves us more than anybody could ever love us. And, you know, regardless of our shortcomings, regardless of our mistakes, regardless of our past, you know, he is there, he's present, he's willing, um, and just the fact that he loves us, which is something that I'm still trying to wrap my head around. But every day, you know, he wakes us up to new mercies and, and, and graces. And, you know, I think about our culture. And, and a lot of times, if I'm not careful, I can fall into the trap of getting, you know, worried and anxious and bent out of shape. But every morning that I wake up, I thank God, you know, because I'm still here. And we're all still here. So that means that there's still hope. You know, the world is not hopeless, despite what's going on in and the fact that God's not back yet, it just means that he still wants all of us to come to repentance. So, it's beautiful. Um, you know, just understanding what our true identity is. You know, you are a, if you're a child, you're a daughter, you're a son, you're, you're, you're a son or your daughter, you're, you're a princess, you know, you're, you're a prince, you know. You're valued and you're loved, you know. And I would highly recommend uh, finding someone, you know. Uh, whether it's in your church, uh, you know, there are godly men out there who will take you under your wing. And that's what happened to me. Um, when I was 18 years old, uh, I, had, I was very fortunate to have um, godly men in our church, uh, First Alliance Church where I used to go, who they themselves were fathers and they were more than willing to kind of take me under their wing and, and show me the ropes and, and teach me the the basics of authentic, divine uh, masculinity, you know, and I'm so thankful for that. So 
it, it took uh, it took humility for me to do that. It took me knocking down a lot of um, walls of pride for me to do that. Uh, but I'm so thankful for for those men. Uh, I could name them, but I'm just so thankful for them for um, just really, really kind of kind of showing me the ropes and and letting me know that just because things were the way they were wasn't that's not the way things have to be. Mm. Amen, John. If you don't mind. Let's just take this moment right now and uh, lead us in a prayer, uh, the hearts of those maybe young people, maybe even adults who are listening right now who uh, maybe feel crippled because of the father figure in their life. Uh, pray a prayer of forgiveness and, uh, and mercy and new life. Father, Lord, we're so thankful, Lord, that you love us. And we're so thankful for your sacrifice and mm. Lord, for that assurance, Lord, that the best is yet to come, be it this life or the next. And Lord, we're so thankful for the graces and mercy, Lord, that you wake us yeah. up to every morning that we don't deserve, Lord, but yet you yeah. give them to us in abundance yes, because Lord. you yourself are, are rich in grace and mercy. And we're so thankful yeah. for that. And in spite of our weaknesses, in spite of our shortcomings, Lord, you uh, living in us, Lord, you make us worthy of every mm. good thing, mm. Lord, that you could possibly give us. And we give all the glory to you because you are worthy. Yes. And Lord, I th- we pray for our culture today. Lord, there are so mm. many um, young men and women, Lord, even adults, Lord, who are just well, deceived, Lord, by the lies of our culture that, that's just constantly changing its mind mm-hmm. on so many things. Mm-hmm. And, Lord, we are constantly asking ourselves, what is my identity? Mm. Who am I? Lord, we know that with you, we know our identity. We know our worth. And, Lord, I pray that for all these young men and women out there, Lord, Father God, that your word, uh, you adopt orphans, Mm. Lord, and you make them sons and daughters. Yes. Lord, you take care of the widows. And, Father, none of us are alone. And you have that power to transform us. And many of us, Lord... As myself, uh, many, many years ago, was struggling with uh, unforgiveness and resentment, Lord, at, at um, not having a, a father. But, Father God, I didn't realize that the whole time I did have a father. I had a heavenly father. And, Lord, I pray for anyone, Lord, who feels alone, Lord, anyone who feels um, mm. marginalized, Lord, anyone who feels uh, disenfranchised, Lord, that... Your presence, your Holy Spirit will come upon them. And Father God, I ask in the name of Jesus, Lord, by through the blood of Jesus, that you would soften their hearts, soften that resentment, Lord. And I pray that you would um, speak life, breathe life into their dry bones, Father God. And I pray that, Lord, um, they would have ears to listen and hear you. And Lord, that they would recognize their true identity as a son, as a daughter, as a princess, as a prince, Father God. Mm. Lord, our youth, Lord, our culture, they, they're the biggest beneficiaries of, of everything, Father God. And I, I just pray, Lord, for our culture, that a remnant, Lord, would rise up. Yes. And, Lord, that we, they would be bold. And, Father God, that they would speak in the face of these lies, Father God, that your name would be magnified and glorified. We thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, folks, very powerful. Uh, we can talk about God. That's awesome. But there's nothing like talking to God and in his name, claiming his glory. He wants us to do that. 
those of you who are Catholics out there, you're hearing some brothers and sisters in Christ do what, from the very beginning, we are called to do, and that is to call upon the name of the Lord and, uh, and to set the captives free in his name. Luke 4, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. So Jesus is coming out of the desert after battling the, de- uh, battling the enemy. He comes out and he comes into the temple and he unravels a scroll, and this is what it's all about. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is the defining passage of what Lent's all about, but even more, the mission of Jesus. And we who are Christian and bear his name, we're called to do that. He calls, he could do it directly. He could snap his fingers. He could speak from the heavens like he did to Paul. But in the mystery that I don't quite understand, he chooses imperfect you and me to be icons and instruments of his grace. And uh, I I encourage you tonight, uh, folks who are listening, brothers and sisters, to call upon the name of the Lord and to make declarations in his name and to pray over one another, to set the captives free, the prisoners free in our own homes. All right, John, let's go on with, um, through that period of time, encountering God in the church. And let's talk, we have to talk about Grandma. Tell us about Grandma. Well, I was um, very blessed to have a grandmother who was like the spiritual rock of our family. And she was old-fashioned. You know, she was kind of like that old lady in War Room, the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, just, you know, you need to pray, you need to, you know, you need to, you know, go to church and and a lot of times you know you're young you don't listen you don't appreciate all that free wisdom you know you get older you love free wisdom (laughs) so thankful for it um but she one of the things that she always prayed for was that my brother and i would get to go to a christian school Mm -hmm. and we went through public schools now mind you we were poor and but my grandma always prayed that we would go to a christian school i had no idea how it would happen but one day uh at the end of my uh, freshman year in high school my mother uh, she called my brother and i in the kitchen and she said hey uh, to a Christian has a scholarship program, you know, for and for you to go to to a Christian. And at the time, I didn't want to go, but I, I just thought about my grandmother, how much she would pray that we would get a, a Christian education. So uh, we went to uh, to a Christian, and you talk about a real culture shock. You know, I went <laughs> from a school where nobody had a car, and we all walked to school to a school where everybody had a car but me. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, uh, I was very blessed to have gotten a good foundation there. And my grandmother, she she was always there um, just staying on me to pray, to to get involved in church and to go to church and to, to be the man that God's called me to be. I lost her uh, three years, well, four years ago, mm-hmm. and right before I met my uh, my beautiful wife here, and it was a very difficult time for me. Uh, she was like a second mom, uh, but I'm so thankful for her and just the the presence that she had in my life and all the prayers that I believe that to this day are still being answered. Um, Jessica was one of those prayers that I would meet a godly woman and marry a godly woman. So I really believe that uh, she's just another manifestation of uh, those answered prayers that my grandmother so vigilantly um Prayed on my behalf. Mm. That's awesome. That's awesome. So they meet. Tell us the story. Well, my wife may give a, a different account, but <laughs> We're good with that. that's usually the way it is. But uh, <laughs> I was playing drums. Uh, I was attending Calvary Church. Uh, this is, this was back in 2015, and I was playing drums in the, on their band, their their worship team, and. Um, one day I met Jessica. She joined the worship team. Uh, she was, she's a classically trained pianist. 
and uh, that's so. that's how her and I her and I met. So we met on the team, but we we also would hang out occasionally through a, a co-ed young adults uh, group. We play board games and go places and meet over someone's house and things like that. And it was just one of those things where we just kind of hit it off, you know, and uh, we kind of had similar interests, but it was one of those things where we, we weren't, you know, afraid to, to, to try the, you know, each other's interests and things like that. Like I'm a, a nerd and a geek and she appreciates that. And, uh, you know, she likes her things and I appreciate that about her and, and, and the grace that it takes to, you know, <laughs> to, you know to, yeah. to, to, to yeah. get there, you know, and, and, but, um, we became friend. We had, we had a friendship first and to anyone who thinks that it's not possible for a, a, a guy and a, a girl to have a solid friendship. That's not romantic. Uh, you know, I would argue against that because we had a, an authentic friendship and we got to appreciate each other. In fact, it's a great foundation, right? Absolutely. We, yes. we learned the proper way to communicate, you know, and just by appreciating each other on, a, on an intrinsic level. And we would hang out. And then one day, uh, it was right before Valentine's Day of, um, of 2016, I remember, and I got to make sure I get this date right. It was the 13th. Yes. We, uh, that was our first <laughs> date. Was like, yes, you did it. And I remember uh, asking her out uh, on an official date. And uh, the rest, as they say, is history. Can I pause the story and jump back? Yeah. Just, John, without going into a lengthy version, not that there is one, but um, prior to, just because you had shared with us earlier, coming off a different relationship, the prayer that you prayed. Oh, yeah. I, you know, Jessica, she went through, you know, my wife was very, you know, open about, you know, her past and how she went through that sort of, we all kind of go through that rebellious, you know, time where we think we got everything figured out and I want to figure this out. I want to take ownership of this. Mm -hmm. And um, that was me. And I always had a difficult time uh, up until now just surrendering things over to God. I was always that control freak. And one of the most difficult things for me to surrender was my love life because, you know, I always, you know, thought that I should be the one handling that. I'm like, God, you can have everything else, but this, this little area here, I'll, 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 I'll handle this microcosm. But, um, you know, you do things outside of the will of God and you fall flat on your face or you'll fall on your knees, which is exactly what I did. And, um, you know, to make a long story short, I was in a relationship where I was unequally yoked and um, I learned the hard way, you know, what happens when, when you do that. And it's only because God loves me and only because he had a plan for me that I was able to, that he was able to sever that relationship. And I'm so thankful that he was able to, and I never looked back. And I remember I was single for a period of time. And like I said, you know, it was very difficult for me to surrender, but this time, I had gotten so sick of the situation that I was in that for me to stay in it, the only outcome would be misery. And it got to the point where I was, I said, okay, God, I said, for the first time in my life, I said, I'm going to give this over to you. I said, I quit. I, I, I can't do this anymore. I surrender this. And I remember sitting on the edge of my bed praying. I said, God, I, I, it's, it's you and me. Like she said, it's you and me. And I, you know, until that day comes, whatever your will for me is, I'm just going to focus on you and I want you to dictate my life and control my life because I can't do it. So I'm going to fail every time. And I remember praying. I said, God, whoever you have for me, 
she has to have your heart and she has to have the same values that, that I do. I don't want to even spend time with someone who doesn't. And it was at that point that I completely changed the people who I began hanging around. I only began hanging around people that had, had the same values that I, that I do. And after a while, you know, we were still just friends, you know, just hanging out and doing things and, you know, just watching movies and stuff like that. Or we'd go out and get dinner and things like that. Nothing romantic. But I remember... <laughs> according to him. Yeah, that's right. uh, well, <laughs> according to me, I always thought, I thought she was cute. Of course I did. And she's just gorgeous. But I remember one day, it, it just hit me and it was like, you know, you got this really cool girl you know that you know who has, who has the same and, and i knew it was god talking to me he's like you know she has the same heart you do and the I, the number one thing that attracts me to my wife is her heart and i'm so in love with her heart and i'm always protective overprotective of her heart and i just thank god for every day that i have with her and one of the things that you know not to get too you know personal but i always tell my wife before i leave her in the morning because i have to leave for work before she does I always, we always say, we, we pray together. Mm. So important. And I always tell her, you know, I loved you yesterday. I love you right now. And I'm going to love you later on. So our love is a love that's very proactive. Mm. And, you know, it, 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 I just let her know that I'm going to love you later on. And I'm going to love you at your best. And I'm going to love you at your worst. Mm. And I'm so thankful for the grace that we have. And that's, that's the whole theme of our marriage, mm. of our relationship is grace. Without it, you know, marriage is a war, you know, mm. so. John, get in the piece we talked about earlier about being a godly man of the leader. house, spiritual leader of the house. What happened there? In her saying something, in your interaction, well, and it was like a call like to action? It, it's so. Well, it's it, his memory. It's okay. Well, it, it's, it's such a cool but also revealing thing about myself. When we were hanging out, this is before we were dating. We were standing in, the, in her kitchen. It was her and her, her roommate at the time. And I remember asking them, I said, you're both two attractive girls. You're really cool. Why don't you date? And I forget what her uh, roommate said to me. Because you Jess, don't need to remember. Because I don't need to remember. <laughs> but I definitely remember what Jessica said to me. And it, it hit me to my core. And Jessica said, I want a spiritual leader. And I remember at the time hearing that and saying to myself, that's not me. I've got some work to do. And I know that that's a priority for her. And so I also wanted to be that spiritual leader, going back to when I was a little kid. And so there are certain things that I'm so thankful that, you know, I married a, a divine example of, of divine femininity. Mm. You know, she is a godly woman, and she wants to be treated like a godly woman. And she wants to treat me like, uh, you know, a godly man. So we have that that harmony, you know, that that shalom, you know, that 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 rhythm, that that God, you know, of the creative order that, that God established. Mm-hmm. And we that's why we communicate so well. And that's why we don't really fight. We never really had a fight. I mean, we we disagree from time to time, like anybody else does. But we make it a priority to mm-hmm. to make it right. You know, uh, we never go to bed angry. Uh, we never. Uh, yell at each other, say hurtful things. You know, we're always kind of like protecting each other, even even as we right. disagree. Right. Looking at the clock and being so blessed by both of you and sharing, experiencing God's grace pouring through you and your candor, and praying that those who are listening are truly uh, blessed by the the um, relevance mm-hmm. 
of some of these things that everybody deals with, whether it be courtship or depression early on, Jess, and certainly courtship leading to marriage and now marriage and just a tremendous witness. We only have a few moments left. Um, John, you shared with me, and we, we prayed a little bit uh, when we were in Sam's Club uh, at, the, at the gas station. If you guys want to see John, you know, you should get actually a portion of the proceeds that are going to cause an increase in <laughs> revenue. We'll have to talk to Mr. Sam, whoever owns the place. Oh. Um, his club. No, obviously it's national, international. But uh, Jess... You want to, we want to conceive, and you want to be um, obviously God's design of man and woman, and it's been a bit of a challenge. John shared. I'm kind of cutting, cutting this short a little bit. Maybe just share with us a little bit, uh, and maybe anybody else right now who might be in a place of struggling to conceive, and uh, just word of of consolation and candor as you're maybe battling with this, you and John. Yeah, um, we have. We want to start a family. That is something that we definitely want to start. Um, and through this whole process of, you know, getting married and getting to know each other and really both of us desiring that, um, it's not happened yet. But I think that even just in this last week, I really feel like God has just been going, not yet. Mm. And there's a reason. And I don't know what that is. <laughs> Never do. Um, right. <laughs> but um, God is preparing us to be the parents that we're supposed to be. Mm. And... I don't know why it's not yet, but God does, and he has perfect timing, and who am I to question? And a verse that has always stuck with me growing up has always been Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future, and I believe that. So I know that his plans are not to hurt me, but to give me a hope and a future. How amazing. Folks, let's conclude our time together in prayer here in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus, you fashioned us for your indwelling spirit. Through you, we are sons and daughters of amazing Father. We pray, Lord, to receive that grace, that healing, that love, that mercy right now, that we receive you, Lord, abundantly and overflowing into our marriages and families for the glory of your name. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. Amen.